both partners don't need to have the same tools. The gift is you take on your relationships with 100% responsibility. Oh, what do you mean? What? So then the other person's not responsible at all. It's like, no, no, no. But you want to see responsibility as like your power. You have the power to completely shift how the relationship goes, good or bad. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Hello, That Sex Chick listeners. Today, it's me, Bryn, and I am being joined by one of my dear friends and mentors and the incredible founder of Training Camp for the Soul, uh, the lovely Anat Perry. Anat is a catalyst for transformation. After eight years in the self-love and mindset coaching space, she noticed something was missing from the practice. She became increasingly frustrated by a lack of results from purely mindset work, which I have a story about how she supported me through this. Um, and when she dove into the power of the mind-body psychology, her life and her clients' lives truly began to shift and expand. And like I said, I can personally speak for how this was true for me. With 17 plus years of experience, she's combined somatic healing with inner child reparenting to guide thousands of people through embodying the life of their dreams, healing their traumas, and mastering their emotions. Today, we'll be diving into how somatics and sex combines, ways you can work with your trauma in relationships versus being hijacked by it, and other tools to regulate your nervous system when navigating the crazy waters of love. <laughs> I hope that you enjoyed today's show. Anat, I'm so, so happy to have you here. Yay! I know. <laughs> what an honor. What a gift. What a full circle moment. Yeah, and who ever thought, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, just to give a little bit of context. So Anat and I first had a phone call back in 2019. I think it was like summer of 2019, maybe. It'll be four years this May. Oh, wow. So wild. And I met you at this time in my life where I was looking for more. And I was really stuck in my emotional patterns and in my life and in my marriage and in my business. And somebody I met said, you have to have a call with this woman. She'll change your life. Fast forward four years now and my life has certainly changed for the better. So I'm so grateful to have you on the show and to get to hear your magic and to share all of that with our listeners today. Yay. I'm excited to dive in. Let's, Let's do it. Do it. So I'd love to rewind to the moment when you realized that the path to breaking generational patterns and healing trauma is through the body, because you talked about that in your bio. And I think there's really something here for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, when was that? Just about eight years ago. Not that long ago, guys. Life can really shift really fast. I started working with a body mind psychologist. And at that point, I'd already been in the self-development space for uh, eight, nine years, 10 years, 10 years at that point. And like I shared, like you shared in my bio, all mindset stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I was a master at like 
having awareness, knowing that I had issues, all these things, master of like language, using the right words, all this stuff. And my life still was in shambles. <laughs> um, so the moment I recognized it was when I was working with him and I realized uh, how painful transformation is. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be painful, but if there's pain there that hasn't been felt, it's going to feel that way. And I share this now with people that transformation is not a walk in the park on a beautiful, sunny San Diego day. It's a walk through a burning forest and there's a couple dragons to slay. So um, up until that point, a lot of my transformation felt more like aha moments, which we've all had, which are great. But that's like just the beginning of transformation is the awareness, the aha moments. Um, but getting into what you have never acknowledged, what you've never felt, um, thinking I always had just issues with my mother and just seeing how sad my little girl was that daddy always worked, that daddy barely spent time with her, like how heartbreaking that was. And I spent days, just days, just mourning that for the first time at the age of like, what was I, 34 when I, when I went through my dark night of the soul, <laughs> this deep healing um, and just so much grief there, so much sadness that, oh my God, I've been holding this in for like 30 years and doing all this work knowing all these things, having all these techniques to, especially it was showing up in my relationships, of course. You know, father represents the first love in your life. Mom is an extension of yourself. But your relationship with your father is like, wow, it's the first time that something that's not you is loving you. And so my father to me was on a pedestal always. And he broke my heart because he didn't live up to always showing me that level of love or spending time with me in that way. So every single relationship that I had up until I healed this was just another version of my father. Mm. So there was so much, um, so much sadness, so much grief, so much where I felt like I don't matter. I'm invisible. I don't belong. Men will choose something else over you. And then of course, that's how I casted them and that's how it played out. So I'm going deep here. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, I had to circle it back to when did I realize that the healing happens in the body was allowing myself to go through that stage of literally spending probably a month consistently. Cause this, you know, my, my mentor back then, I worked with him like a traditional therapist. You go into your, to the office, you sit in this couch you talk, you talk, you take some notes, but then he gave me these exercises to do. So the real work began when I left his office. And I remember letting my friends know, Hey, I'm, I'm not coming to that party this weekend. Like there was so much going on in San Diego, kind of like Austin. There was always things to do in Encinitas and just saying, 
no to everything because I felt like I was in a time where my little girl, my inner child was sick and needed healing. And so you're not going to, you know, leave her home alone, just go party with friends. So I just really surrendered to, I'm going to nurture me. And I'd go to work at my job and I'd come home and I would just spend all the time with me doing the exercises that he gave me, feeling the feelings, moving through all that stuff, taking baths to nurture myself, going for walks in nature to nurture myself. On the other side of it, like after those few months of being deep in that burning forest, I had never, I I just couldn't imagine the level of confidence that I had, the freedom that I had, the internal peace that I had. And I'll say it still took me another year, year and a half to fully integrate. Mm. Um, but I, I had courage to like step out, to, to show up as myself, to leave my job, to go and travel, to be free, to be unapologetically me, to give myself permission to just be, because, you know, I grew up on the East coast where you just, you, you, you go, you do, <laughs> you do, do, do. And at 35, I was like, I, for the first time in my life, I get to just play. And so there's a lot of integrating moments in there. Um, but the gift was like getting how simple it was after 10 years of what I call trimming weeds and what happens when you trim a weed it grows yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks good. It feels good for a, for for a week or so, a day or so, and then it grows back. And it's uh, it's frustrating and it's exhausting having to manage yourself. Mm. So when I first found my mentor, he said to me, "You're different." He's like, "You have a lot of awareness." I'm like, "Oh God, yeah." touches I'm like please I can't I just can't go through the same stuff still happening to me Mm. it's it's you just become so um discouraged in that so for people listening if you can relate like if you're someone that has been on the self-development journey for a long time and life still keeps showing up the same way I hope that what you get from this is, is that belief that it is possible to transform your life, to heal and, uh, to not give up because <laughs> I was definitely ready to give up in that moment. Mm-hmm. As you were saying that I kept thinking of this old saying of people don't change, right? Like that's what we we're told is people don't change and you can't change someone. And I do believe that you cannot be responsible for someone else changing. However, people can change. And I believe that what you're pointing to is that change is possible when you access it through the body and you're not trying to logic your way through an old belief that you may not even realize is there, right? Because another thing that you said that I'd love to actually touch back on is you talked about how essentially um, your life kept looking the same. Like you kept seeing the same type of men, the same type of relationships. So I'd love for our listeners to hear a little bit more about how will they start to have awareness to those patterns in love? Like what would be something that helps them to be more self-aware 
of them repeating the same cycle. Cause I know that's what happened to me too. And I'd love to hear your take on like, how do you become more self-aware? How do you start to see your own blind spots? Hmm. You get out of your head and I know you think I'm going to say get in the body. (laughs) What I'm going to say is you get it out of your head and onto paper. A lot of times when we're dealing with a tough moment, uh, a trigger, an upset, we may take time to ourselves and process it, but we're having this internal dialogue. And then we end up having this dialogue with, um, there's many different opinions in your head. There's the inner critic that's like, you should have known better, right? There's the ego that's saying you're better than that. There's your inner child that's screaming, will I ever be good enough? There's your heart that's saying like, you, you know, like you can have what you want. And most and most of the time you're not hearing the ones that you really need to hear. Uh, most of the time you're hearing uh, not even your own voice. You're, you're hearing what was programmed in you, what was modeled to you. By, by your by by your, by your caretakers, by whoever raised you, if it was a single mom, or it was you know uh, you know parents that deeply loved each other, or dad was abusive to mom. Whatever it was, it was all modeled to you by the relationship that you saw your parents have, and then also individually, the people need to realize is, oh well, my mom and dad, you know, they've been happily married for. For 40 something years. So how come I'm not finding that happily ever after? Because there's also like individually the impact that you get in learning. Like for me, dad always working. I mean, wonderful, loving man. But literally when I was a child, was running, he was running a hotel. He worked 16 hours a day. So do the math. That's like 6 a.m. coming home at 10 p.m. And I was under the age of six at that point. So I was not up that late. And um, maybe a little bit one day of the week on a weekend, we'd all go to the beach as a family. So I didn't have daddy-daughter dates. And so again, what that imprinted in me is like, I'm invisible. I don't matter. My needs don't matter. Mm -hmm. Men are going to put other things first. So that becomes the script. That is the truth. So things happen in our life and we get triggered. And then this is what plays out and reaffirms it. Or if, you know, and then there's mom. Mom is an extension of self. So if you learned from mom to lead others, to be submissive, to, you know, if if mom was always submissive to dad or pleasing him or disconnected from her emotions, always keeping busy, busy, taking care of the house, the kids, everything, but never taking care of herself. And you might've learned to not have needs, not take care of your needs, to not set boundaries, to not speak up for yourself avoid confrontation with people pleasing Mm. so all that stuff ends up impacting your relationships with others not just your romantic relationship relationships period totally I love this concept of looking to 
where it started, your parents as this access point to deeper healing. And something you always said to us when I went through your program was, this isn't to vilify your parents, right? Like they were doing the best they could. And there's another phrase that you said that always stuck with me is, is it something you heard, you felt, or you saw? Because they may, for example, like my mother, my mom always, I'm a child of divorce, as many of us are. And my mom always used to say to me, you know, you don't need a man. And there's issues in this too, right? You don't need a man. I want you to be independent and go out there and, and uh, build a life for yourself. And there's beauty in what she was trying to share with me, which was not putting all of my priority on finding a partner. But what I felt and saw from her was putting all of her priority in finding a partner. So even though I heard one thing, more of the energy was the opposite. Exactly. And you see this, you see this with a lot of parents that they don't want to pass down the same thing. And so they think, let me drill this to you by telling you, but they're watching, they're watching uh, and they're feeling (laughs) your energy. They're watching your actions. They're hearing your words when you're not speaking to them, when they see you being that way with your partner. So a hundred percent. And then sometimes it's like you copy or you rebel. You're like, I'm never going to be that way. So you go to the complete other extreme and you guard yourself so much, or, you know, I'm never, I'm never going to let anyone tell me what to do because I saw, this was actually my, my, my fiance. Um, We unpacked this a couple of years ago for him because he had this thing about like, he'd get triggered anytime he felt like I was trying to tell him what to do. I'm like, where does this come from? What is this? And uh, during COVID, we had plenty during lockdown, plenty of time to have lots of deep conversations. And, you know, for him, um, his, his mom was very, very vocal, very direct with very, you know, complaining, whatever she wasn't happy with. And his dad's way was just to like, man, just to say whatever, to like appease her a bit. Um, and he witnessed this experience and it didn't feel safe to him. And so for him, it was, he didn't like how his mom was talking to his dad and he thought, well, if dad just yell at her, just have her stop. And so he was like, I'm never going to let anyone talk to me that way. Mm. Tell me what to do. And so he went to the other extreme of like, I need to be in control. Like you know, it, it, it's my way. And, uh, oh, thank God he's not there <laughs> as we unpack this. Uh-huh. But yeah, so a lot of times tying this back to what I said, we may copy or, or our survival mechanism may be to do the complete opposite. And like what he and I got to in our conversation, I was like, so imagine if your dad did react that way and met fire with fire. Would that have gotten the result? Would you felt safe then with your parents? Like safe meaning that they weren't going to like end their marriage. And he's like, no. I'm like, so that wasn't what was missing. Not more fire with fire. What was missing was more heart, more vulnerability. Mm. And so that's where we've gotten to evolve in our relationship, to break that pattern. Uh and and show up newly and so like tying back to what you said before about this isn't where your parents aren't on trial trial here this is just an opportunity 
for you to take charge of your script of your life and to end that inheritance that generational inheritance trauma whatever you want to call it to really break these patterns that's the opportunity now that i tell all my clients our favorite place to shop for crystal glass and metal toys is yoni pleasure palace sacred squirters cervix serpents yoni eggs prostate massagers anal plugs and beaded wands g-spot massagers And something Jordan and I use all the time and even travel with are plush, velvety, waterproof blanket. Every product feels so special when it comes from YPP. It's probably because of the care that is taken not only in the development of the toy, but in the packing and delivering of the toy. When you collect, because it's definitely a collection of sexy works of art, when you collect a new item, it comes with not only information on how to use it, but to also respect and revere it, along with cultivating respect and reverence for your own body and your own sexuality. I can't sing YPP's praises enough. To add to your collection, visit yonipleasurepalace.com and make sure to use the code thatsexchick, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your order. And pretty please, if you share your items on social media, tag me. I'd love to see what you choose and celebrate you. Mm, it's so true. And it's, um, you know, looking back when I worked with you, I had no idea what was on the other side of me looking at these patterns, no clue. I didn't even have awareness. I just knew something in my life. I guess this would be a level of awareness. I knew something in my life wasn't working, but I don't think I knew what it was. And then fast forward several years down the road, I had to break the deeply, deeply rooted pattern of codependency but I had no idea how that was going to show up in my life. I just started to see for the first time with crystal clarity where I outsourced all of my power, all of my emotions, all of my decisions for my husband, my husband to make. You have our friends, you build our businesses, you have the vision for our life. Everything was through him because I just, I didn't know another way to be. It's what I saw. It is what I felt and it is what I heard from my mother. And so breaking codependency and and working with you gave me the courage to listen to my heart and to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this the only way I know how, which is, is leaving the relationship. And looking back now, I have no regrets. I know that I made the exact right decision because I look at my life and I look at his life and we're both in incredible places, but something that you've also really taught me. And I want to drive home for our listeners is this concept of rising in love. You know, our listeners are, I, I'm going to project here our um, love. I don't want to say addicts, but they love love like I do. And yes. a lot of them are in partnership or desiring to be in partnership. And while yes, I can teach you and show you how to leave a relationship. What I also really want to drive home for people is how to stay in relationship and build one that is beautiful and true. So I'd love for you to share a bit about what happens after you fall in love and what does it really look like to do this work with another being? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I met my fiance, um, gosh, four and a half years ago, almost we've been together and yeah, it's healthy to have a honeymoon stage for sure. Meaning where you are just having fun together, lots of sex together, hopefully lots of dates. 
Um, and at the same time, I remember experiencing like so much inner turmoil when I wasn't with him because it was triggering all my stuff. And so again, I think that's healthy and that's normal. Um, but what is inevitable is uh, the, the, it's easy. That's the like falling in love. Like falling is easy. <laughs> Rising, choosing to like get up, choosing, choosing love when it doesn't feel loving in that moment where triggers are coming up. That's like where the real work begins. And when you, you've known me now for almost my whole relationship, about four years of it. And, um, it has not been, it was not easy. It wasn't easy for a very long time, but I wouldn't say, I, I would also say that it was at the same time, very loving and accepting. Mm. Um, one of the things, you know, there's a lot that we heal on our own and in programs, but there is something true to certain things will only get healed in love, in relationship mm. with that person that um, sees you and loves you no matter what. And when I met Edwin, even though I'd done years and years of work, there were still things that weren't integrated in. Um, the idea of opening up my heart, like being fully, fully, fully myself, um, no filter, no fear, speaking everything, being vulnerable was something that wasn't integrated. And he is, he, he, he's an empath. He feels, sees everything. And he just knew that about me. And, uh, for about two years of our relationship was patient with me. He just kept saying, just be yourself, just be vulnerable, just be yourself, just be vulnerable. Literally those words. And vulnerability wasn't modeled to me by my parents. So it was like, okay, I hear him. I hear the words and I don't have enough of a framework. And what happened in those two years is he taught me that. He showed me what it's like to be unapologetically me, mm. um, to, you know, speak up for myself, to express my boundaries and my needs, because that was fully integrated in him. We've got, and I've taught him things since as well, but for two years, it took me two years to put down my guard and to fully start to like find my voice, open my heart. And the fact that he loved me through that, that he was still willing to be there and love me. So this is what I mean by there was, there's always been so much love between us, but it, there have been so many moments and Brynn knows of a few where I'm just like, this is so hard. Like, I just want out. There were so many nights that I went to bed planning, like we'd get into some stupid fight usually. And uh, I'd go to bed and I'd be planning my move out because most of this started to happen when we moved in together, which was three years ago. As we know, then you don't really have that space. So it's going to come to the surface. Mm. But uh, there were just a lot of moments where I really had to choose love. Um, so there was so there was love there. There was challenges there. There was never, um, there's never abuse there. I think that's the key thing to start to look at 
we always respected each other and how we spoke to each other. Like, "Ah, did we raise our voice a little bit here and there? Yeah. But meaning, um, never, you know, you really want to watch out for if, as far as like, well, how do you know when to stay in it? (laughs) It's like, well, when there's a big fight and a trigger is the person abusing you? Are they going down and uh, verbally abusing you? calling you all these names and all these things and all this stuff that takes a while to recover from. So there wasn't that. I'd say the one thing that would show up sometimes, well, not sometimes, many times is um, him just wanting out, like saying that, but not meaning it. Like an hour later, the next day, like, no, you don't really mean that. Mm-hmm. And that was a rupture. That was hard on my heart. I was definitely like, cause I'm not like that but we have different personality patterns. If you're familiar with the five personality patterns, we run different patterns. So my pattern is, you know, to like want to come back to love um, or to leave, but not leave the relationship, more leave the, the, the chaos of whatever energy just happened. Mm-hmm. Or so leave we'll be, your body even, right? And, yeah, and leave my body, exactly. So there's two patterns, the merging pattern and the leaving pattern that are, that are mine. So leaving, like, we'll, we'll be in an argument or whatever, and he'll raise his voice because he's more aggressive. And I'll literally walk away or walk to the other room and he'll say, where are you going? And I'm like, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Like, it's too much energy. Mm-hmm. But for him, his patterns being rigid, so needing to have it his way, his rules. <laughs> Brin's like That's also it. a recovering rigid as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to aggressive, which is like if he's hurt and he wants to hurt someone else, and he's not very aggressive. So again, it doesn't get to any kind of a danger place. Um, but more than that, also the aggressive wants to control. Mm-hmm. So how he finds control is by threatening to like we're done. He would say, we're done. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what's important to even name here is all of the patterns. And for those of you, uh, we'll link the book in the show notes. It's a life-changing book. I know so many people that have iterated the same thing, Um, but all of the patterns want the same thing. We all want to feel safe. We all want to feel love. And so by me going into rigidity or him going into aggressiveness or you going into merging, we're all just trying to feel safe and to feel loved. And so it's for me, that always gave me so much empathy, even in the moment where somebody who's in an aggressive pattern is like their energy is going upward and outward and it's intense. It's so helpful to remember they want the same thing that I do by wanting to control the situation is we both are trying to get safe. Um, but this was how we learned to cope. And so it sounds like what you two have been able to do is to recognize each other's patterns and to, I imagine, use some tools that help you when you are feeling hijacked or unsafe. Still going strong over here, y'all. Everyday Dose has helped me transition off of coffee and into more presence, less angst, and more sustainable energy in my life. With a third of the caffeine compared to coffee, this mushroom blend features sun theanine, lion's mane, chaga, and collagen protein. And it actually tastes great. Ready to kick coffee with me, but keep the yummy morning bev? Go to everydaydose.com, code that sex chick for savings at checkout, 
even if the items you are purchasing are already discounted. Yeah, baby. Everydaydose.com. I'd love to even talk a little bit about that of what happens when you get hijacked in love? What happens? Because it's not an if, it's a when, (laughs) right? What happens when you're feeling hijacked? First, how do you know? How do you know that you're feeling hijacked? And, And what do you do once you notice that? both in yourself and in your partner. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'll say that um, we both come from different worlds. Like he's in the world of technology and <laughs> I'm in this self-development space. Um, but we both have brought like our developments, our childhood developments uh, from a different angle where we've been able to sustain and grow. Like I think about if I didn't have all the awareness and the tools that I teach, would, would we have made it? (laughs) But then if he didn't have the, the, the healthy learning that he had growing up, would we have made it? So, um, both partners don't need to have the same tools. Um, that's uh, a great point. That's a really great point. Cause I think it is really easy to point the finger and say, if he only had, if she only had, if they only had, right. Yeah. It's that's our ego wanting to yeah. look outward. Yeah. No, the gift is you take on your relationships with hundred percent responsibility. Well, what do you mean? What? So then the other person's not responsible at all. It's like, no, no, no. But you want to see responsibility as like your power. Like you have the power to completely shift how the relationship goes good or bad. Uh, so those that are listening, you're going to get these tools. So you're the one, like I've had to own that in certain ways, I'm the one in our relationship that most likely is going to be able to have, like, I, this is where we've taught each other. Right? I said before, he taught me how to, uh, be more myself, express my boundaries, express my needs. Cause that was so natural to him. And what I've taught him a lot in the past two years and really deeply now in the past six months is, um, is, is patience and compassion mm-hmm. is how to meet me with compassion is how to see that, like outside of the rigid, that's like, she's showing up wrong <laughs> instead of she's showing up wrong. It's like, Oh, like she disconnected from like her highest self, like from who she really is. And how can I meet her with love and bring her back to love? Mm -hmm. So that's something that I've been able to model with him because boy, have I had patience for, (laughs) for his controlling ways, his past controlling ways and rigidity that now we could laugh on. He's, he's, he's transformed so much. So, um, what was your question? (laughs) (laughs) Tools, tools. So I'd love to like, yeah, show our listeners, like from the moment they start to feel the hijack, like where do we intervene? How do we support our our own nervous systems and our partner? Yeah. So I want to define a little bit of like, what what does that mean to be hijacked? Totally. Again, go back to your life as a movie. Like it's, and, and, and you're playing out a script. And so you're playing certain identities, whether it's, you know, the controlling girl, bossy, the victim, the seductress, whatever it is, or multiple ones. And then you also learned 
how men are or women are and you've casted them this way like what did you learn from your mom Bryn men are what well I was the codependent victim and I learned that men are the saviors like men come in to rescue me Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so a you're going to be attracted to someone who is that way uh, hello, enter my ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to be attracted to them until you're not, until you healed it. And then you're like, I don't want this at all. I don't want to be rescued, exactly. But sometimes, so so you, so you attracted that. That's not the hijack. You didn't hijack him. He was fully, fully qualified to play this role in your movie. <laughs> you're like, you're hired. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some things that you projected? So another way to think of hijacking is Uh, the person that is being hijacked or the person that's hijacking is also projecting. Yeah. Yeah. So is there something that you remember that you projected onto him? Totally. Um, So being that I needed him to be my savior and to be all things to me, I constantly would project when I was frustrated or couldn't figure something out, he needed to fix it for me. So it could be anything from like, I broke a piece of furniture and like, he's the one that had to fix it to I'm feeling sad and I need you to make me feel better. So I was constantly projecting, you fix me, you make this better for me all the time. And then he wouldn't want to do that for me all of the time. A lot of the times he did because he also had the role of the savior and he wanted to save, it made him feel valued, but then also life would come up. So he would, um, he'd be busy. He'd have a meeting. I don't know. He's a human. He had stuff to do. He couldn't take care of me or it got old for both of us. And so he would, uh, not want to help me. And my lens was, you have to help me. And then we would just be in these like hijacking wars where neither one of us could see our way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So part of the feeling when someone is hijacking you is you don't feel like yourself anymore. You literally feel hijacked to play out something that's not you. And, you know, others, other examples of this, where this happens is especially when there's like something unhealed with our parents or some way that mom was like, my mom was very controlling. Um, Love you, mom. (laughs) Uh, Mom was very controlling. And I, and it was a major trigger for me growing up always. Uh, Like, you just want to control me. Tell me what to do. Treat me like I'm five years old. And so Edwin would know, Edwin is my fiance. He would notice at times when he would say something because he's, he's a masculine, he's a leader. And things where he wasn't being controlling with me and I get snappy with him. And he's just, and he's seen me do this with my mom because she still triggers that in me. And he'd even say, you know, I'm not your mom. Like he could see where I was trying to hijack him and put that same experience on him. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, it's really times when there's some belief that we have, some story that we have, and we are so convinced that that person is doing that to us now, that that person has to be that to us now. Mm. And then to the other person, how it will literally energetically feel to you is um, spacey. It'll, it'll feel like you just got pulled 
out of your own experience, your own embodiment, your own body, and into like doing something that you're like, this this isn't me. It's Mm -hmm. not going to feel like you. I was just on a sales call right before this, where she was talking about her previous relationship and she literally used the phrase, I look back and I'm like, who was I? Like she was being hijacked. Um, he had done some things that um, triggered in her, her hurt little girl. I imagine there'll be some things that we'll dig into with her, with her father. Um, and this partner of hers was triggering that. And therefore she was going into, like you said, uh, a role that was was not hers. It was it was given to her. And exactly. one of the phrases I love that you there's so many anotisms that I've taken into my own life and coaching, but it's not who you are. It's what you learned. And if you learned it, you can unlearn it. And that to me was so expansive because all of a sudden it's not just, Oh, my mom and dad gave me these patterns. It's like, yeah, they gave me these patterns and I get to unlearn them. That is where I pick up the torch and continue the work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear too about, cause I loved your experience of um, talking about the hijacking and like how we can notice we're being hijacked. Um, and there's a, a tool that you you've given me and, and thousands of people at this point that helps you to cultivate safety. Cause at, like we said, at the bottom of all of this is a desire to feel safe, safe in love, safe in our bodies, safe to be ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. so what's, what are some ways that people can help to create safety? Because when you feel safe, you're usually not going into yeah. projections and hijackings and, you right. know, leaving yeah. our relationships on a whim. <laughs> yeah. And hijacking is going to happen, especially as you are growing, you're coming together as, as, as a union and, uh, the more, obviously the more embodiment work you've done before that relationship, the more, you know, yourself and you're rooted in yourself and, and, and open in your heart at the same time, the, the quicker you'll move through this. (laughs) And, uh, unfortunately for me, you know, as, as much work as I had done, this was a part that just needed to be integrated with him. Part of our karma, I guess the triggers that come up for you, the triggers that happen that then you project onto your partner, which at the beginning, they may get hijacked into that, but the more they know themselves, the more they feel safe in themselves, the more they're going to be able to decipher, is this mine or is this not mine? Hmm. So I want to answer first what you asked earlier about um, how how do you stop being hijacked? You, You get to know yourself more and more and more and more. And even when you do get hijacked and then that spirals into something, this is a time in your relationship or always in life that we're tending to ourselves. So we take time to ourselves to process, um, how do I feel about what just happened this morning? Like something doesn't feel right in me. So again, it all leads back to learning how to completely process what our experience is in our body. Um, and and, and reflect and learn and see, is that really, um, is that me or is that not what's really true for me? Oh, wow. Where am I still not speaking up? Oh my God. Like there was so much of that before I finally spoke up and started to say, you know what, like now if something happens, 
because we've been together so long, we've gone through these, usually it's the same five or six stuff that's going to get triggered. Um, we're able to just point it out in each other and say, um, this, this is not mine right now. Yeah. Whose energy is this is such a powerful yeah. question. Yeah. Or like he says to me, cause he's like, I'm not your mom that are being like upset by him, like pointing that out. I'll just say, that's right. Okay. So how do I get back to what's really happening here? The breath, there's no magic, right? First step is the breath, like taking those few deep breaths so that you're done being hijacked. Cause yes, you're hijacking the person, but you've also been hijacked into your reptilian brain. Your youngest part of your brain, <laughs> the unconscious and whatever is in there. So regulating the nervous system again, you know, it's all about our fight or flight response, our nervous system and being able to come back to parasympathetic state, to homeostasis, to, oh, I can, I can be present to what is happening right now instead of hijacked myself and then, and then projecting and hijacking the other person. So I uh, coined this term uh, called priming safety. So when you think of primer, right, painting a wall, if your wall is light blue and you want to paint it baby yellow, <laughs> you can't just put the yellow on there. You have to put primer first. It's the same thing. If you are hijacked and you're all up here in your head or, or even way out into the ether, what's going to connect you back into your body? What's going to sever, you know, what's going to be the stitch that brings you back in there is going to be what I call priming safety. So the first stage of it is you want to create a space of safety. And so how does someone sit when they are scared? Curl up into a ball, cross their arms, like protecting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So again, if we're going to signal safety, if we're going to embody and model safety, you want to sit the way a person sits when they feel safe, spine straight, palms up, open to receiving. So that's the first thing is you want to shift your physical stance. Next is how does someone breathe when they feel threatened? Not Shallow. Safe? Yeah. Like hyperventilating. <laughs> yeah. Shallow upper chest or not at all. Mm. Me. I would just freeze and not even realize, oh my God, I haven't taken a breath. So you want to shift your breath. It's taking those deep, grounded breaths. And I like to start with an exhale through the mouth, pushing all that stagnant, shallow air out so that your first big breath is super healing, super fresh air. So... Clearing out all the way, pulling your belly button in till there's nothing left. Nothing left, nothing left. 
and then deep inhale through the nose, expanding your rib cage, your diaphragm, your belly, all the way up your spine to the top of your head. Yeah. Sound, because sounds also are very vibrations are very nurturing to the, our vagus nerve, mm. to our body of safety, mm. and then taking a few of those breaths. Deep inhale, and ah. last part so now you're continuing that you're continuing the breath you're sitting spine straight palms up is occupying the monkey mind (laughs) monkey mind that is saying this is scary this is painful i'm not safe i don't want to feel this i just want this to go away i just want this to stop Whatever else it's like firing off in that moment. Want to tune it to a new radio station and say, I'm safe. Ah, I'm safe to be in my body. Ah, I'm safe to experience this. I'm safe to feel this. I'm safe. And you keep repeating that to yourself. You're rocking yourself. You're rocking yourself in this new energy. I'm safe. And now you'll notice your nervous system come back down. And then you want to start to track the body, scan the body for any sensation. And especially just either really bold sensations. Like right now, feel my cold feet, even though I'm wearing socks, <laughs> slippers. Temperature drops below 70 in San Diego and I go cold. Um, but yeah, just noticing any obvious sensations to anywhere that it feels really gushy, gushy and delicious. Maybe it's the comfort. Oh, there's the yawn. Oh. Body's releasing more. The comfort of um, being held by your chair, leaning back. And then as you feel safer and safer with knowing that there's parts that are super ushy gushy, uh, then you can start to scan your body for anywhere that you feel tightness or friction or fire or constriction bringing just loving awareness to those parts so i went a little beyond just the priming safety but no. really what's possible once you prime safety mm. and as you i yawned you know our bodies are brilliant it's our mind and our ego that mm-hmm. it. do we need the mind yes is mindset useful absolutely totally. absolutely but the somatic work the body is brilliant i mean we're all here you know at one point we're all in our mom's bellies and mom didn't have to do much thinking for us to develop the way that we did and right now if you just ate a meal or had a drink 
You don't have to think about digest, digest, digest. Your body just does it. And so same thing with unprocessed experiences, emotions, traumas, sensations. The body knows how to uh, process it, how to discharge it, whether it's through a yawn or your body shaking, like getting, getting tremoring, tearing, crying, burping, <laughs> laughing, just always. And the key to that is that stitch. That's that priming of the safety is like, okay, body, I feel safe letting you take the wheel, take mm. over. Mm. So good. Literally our listeners can like rewind and use that section of as like an actual guided meditation, because that's what I did over and over when you first taught me this framework was I just practiced feeling safe in my own body and learning what it felt like to be safe so that I could then have experiences with my partner, with the world, knowing that at the core, I was safe to, to be with it, safe to be with anything. And that emotional capacity that I developed in that just safety has literally changed my life because now I can face anything, anything. Yeah. And I know yeah. I'm good. Perfect. So let's tie this back. Like you just said to, um, using this practice and the more you practice it, the more you'll be able to access it in moments where you're hijacked, where you're triggered, where you're with your partner and they're projecting on you where you have a conversation with your mom or, you know, <laughs> or your dad or your sibling and you're, you're just like, <laughs> breathe and I'm just going to listen. I did mm. that the other day. Yeah. It's breathe. not for the faint of heart. Yeah. It's, yeah. So the more you practice it, it becomes a tool that gets to show up in those moments where you can stay present with them and their experience as big as it is, as wild as it is, and and stay stay grounded, stay open in your heart and just let the whatever rises move through you. Like notice the, okay, I feel tightness here or I'm hearing all this and it's still making me sad. I'm going to allow the tears to flow. So you're processing and moving the energy while you're in the experience with that person and mm. you're keeping your heart open. It's not for the faintest and it does take practice, mm -hmm. but it will save your life. It's not an exaggeration. Yeah. Safety. You mm -hmm. know, like we're here and no one can save you. It is, you know, it, it's the masculine, right? It's like how we want, especially us ladies, when we are fully emotional, we just want the man to sit there, give us his presence and hold the space like solid. Well, again, to embody that masculine, that healthy masculine, that, that safety, that savior within yourself. This is the practice for that, to know mm. that you be that solid at times when whoever you're talking to is, is in their feminine, is in their Kali full, full force energy, mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. that is. Mm. or when you get hijacked into your 
victimness or whatever, like grounding back into the truth of who you are mm-hmm. into your heart. Mm-hmm. So live from your heart open. I remember the first time, it may be not the first time, but a very clear time where I was using the priming safety and the tracking of sensations while holding space for my partner in a a practice that you gave me called holding the bucket, where for the first time I was giving a place for my partner to air all of his grievances, all of his withholds, all of his projections, all of it, just like verbal diarrhea. (laughs) Like he just had to literally like get it all out. And you, the practice you gave me was uh, sit and hold it, like hold a metaphorical bucket for him and don't respond. Don't chime in with your own hijacked emotions of like what's happening with you. Just hold track what's happening. I could of course release, like if there were things coming up for me, like let the tears fall, feel the sensations in him saying these things that were, you know, hard to hear. And if I hadn't had those tools, that experience would have been impossible. I would have tried to make it about me. My victim mentality would have come into play. I would have wanted to share how I was feeling. And instead I let him air literally 10 years of crap. And from that point, we were able to create such intimacy afterwards. Did it save our marriage? No. Was that the point? No. The point was to feel heard and to practice being able to allow someone to feel fully expressed in my presence. And it was profound. And it didn't save your marriage, but it saved your relationship with each other. Yeah. People, look, I, I remember you telling me when you guys were on the phone with the divorce attorney fa- finalizing things. And he's like, wait, you guys are in the same room? <laughs> you know, yeah. Happens. Yeah. What it's like to like be like to consciously uncouple. Mm. It takes consciousness. So, you know, especially, I mean, you guys don't have kids. You, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not together. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes what is best is divorce, like it was for you guys. But imagine if you had kids or even for your friends. I mean, let let let's let's point something out here. Your ex-husband is my business partner. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. And, um, how beautiful is it that whether it's shared friends or children you know, most importantly is like, can you part ways from an open heart from love? And so hearing each other out, letting each other dump it all out into the, to the bucket, being able to just witness the other person and all their grief, everything that they've, the resentments, everything that they've held is going to lead to a lifetime, a lifelong relationship. Mm. You and Chris are going to be lifelong friends. And that's what it made possible. Mm. Even though what you lost is the last name and the like sleeping in the same bed and and creating a future of, you know, home, family, kids together, what you didn't lose is each other Mm. in each other's lives. And so um, there's a lot of grief, I imagine, for people that didn't have that opportunity or for 
those of you listening that really feel that you want to leave, that that would be best, but you're so afraid to leave because of the turmoil that may happen in the divorce process or your kids. It's like these tools are going to support you in having that conscious uncoupling. Mm, That was such a beautiful frame that I don't think I'd ever had laid out so clearly like that. It's like, yeah, it did give us access to still being in each other's lives and having so much love for one another. Um, And I'll never forget. It gives me chills every time. Um, So to give a little context, I used to work for a knot. Her, Her program was so powerful that I I, at the time I was a dual business owner. I had no business jumping into something else, but my heart knew like there's something here for me. And I pitched myself to her. I was like, you have to hire me. I'll run your social media. Um, and so at the time, um, I was running to these, I lived in Florida with a gym and a meal delivery company. And I was flying to California to capture content for this company. And there was a moment where I was, uh, witnessing at the retreat and I always had my own mini hot seats, right? Where I was like, the participants were receiving your facilitation, but I was on the sidelines just getting blasted with truth bombs and my own moments of healing on the sides. Like, oh my God, there's so much here. And you said something to a client and I'll never forget because it landed, it landed fully in my body is you can be right or you can be in love. Oh, and it makes me want to cry just thinking about it. Um, Because I realized how much of my own relationship for a decade was rooted in ego, rooted in me trying to prove myself, rooted in me trying to show him my worth and my value by being right instead of living from my heart and being willing to let go of being right in the moment to just hear him and feel him and hear his side because it was valid too. But I was always so focused on being the one that was right in that moment. And for whatever reason it clicked. And I remember you looking over at me and you're like, are you okay? I was just sobbing (laughs) in the corner. Um, and it, I'll never forget it. And it doesn't mean again, that it's easy to implement in the moment because there's still moments where I want to be like, fuck you. Well, that's not true. And if you can let that go, doesn't mean that we bypass, right? It doesn't mean we bypass the pain or whatever it is we're feeling. But if you can, like you said, come back to safety within yourself and just hold that space for their own hurt and their own experience, then you both get to come back to love and that will forever change me. Yeah. One of the, um, practices that Edwin and I implemented this new year was operating as if today's the last day oh. that will ever, you know, so when you think about all those petty fights of who's right, all that, all that wasted time and energy, mm-hmm. if you knew today was the last day, you would be in love. You would spend every second of it just expressing your love to that person. And so that is like at the forefront. It actually happened this morning. Um, it wasn't a fight. I was uh, I was leaving to go to a session with my trainer and I already put my sneakers on. So I couldn't come into the bedroom to like give him a kiss goodbye. And, you know, he was sitting there doing something and I'm like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm like, I'd love a kiss. And he was like, 
oh, geez, he's like, I'm trying to wrap something up here. Da, da, da. And I'm like, I understand. And remember, if this was the last day, if this was the last moment, if something, God forbid, happened, I'd love a kiss. He's mm-hmm. like, thank you. Oh, um, gave me a kiss, you know? So we're still like integrating that, but we, we, we spot each other in it. We, we, we bring that back to the forefront anytime that we notice that we are um, complaining or being right or yeah, any of that, anything that's not love, like, mm. ah, remember. <laughs> and so what it's done for our relationship is that um, we're experiencing more and more love and appreciation mm. than we ever have. It's like, Finally, <laughs> we've arrived. <laughs> we married in um, a little less than four months. Uh, so by no means like, oh, we've arrived. Now it's always going to be love here. No, there may be other things, but this definitely feels like, like I'm ready to marry him. And there's mm-hmm. so much to celebrate um, to like all the milestones and all the growth that we've done to this point. And you know, I just, I, I want to say this, that this is my, this was my journey. My relationship was very hard. So many moments of this, and now it's opened up and blossomed. And I'm glad that it was like that on the front end. And I hope that from here, it just keeps blossoming and blossoming and blossoming more. And I'm also aware that there's people listening to this, that they came into that relationship, whether it's that, you know, it's their high school sweetheart and they were so alike at that time, or like you and Chris, like you, you were, you, you were more on the same page when you were younger, but then as you grew, it's like you started to grow apart and that's when the tension happened. And, you know, so those of you that are single, <laughs> Stop looking for it for the evidence of this is the guy if it's like perfect and there's no challenges. Mm. Embrace that as like, wow, if we could grow through this, like what can't we do together? Mm. I mean, the amount of times that he and I have chosen love over leaving, <laughs> like really leaving, I was like, yeah, <laughs> we're definitely strengthening our relationship here. And then for those of you that you've been in, uh, you know, it's now starting to show you that you're, you're, you're growing apart, so to speak, um, focus on you, Mm -hmm. meaning like, uh, don't try and bring the person to where you're at or blame them for the distance. Just focus on growing yourself. On, on discovering maybe you met young and you didn't really like you Bryn you didn't really know yourself no you were playing out mom and dad what you yeah. learned and then you had this discovery and for you what was best was 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 separating was mm-hmm. was parting ways and you blossomed yourself and now you're ready for that yeah. um for that love so uh to not resist it that either way, I mean, what a gift. You both say it. It's such a gift. Mm-hmm. And so as scary as the idea may feel, like I may be leaving my person, uh, my husband, I have kids. 
maybe this relationship, you know, is supposed to break up, whatever that is. As scary as that is, don't pull the trigger on that one yet. That's not the next step. Take time to really do your own healing, your own discovery of, am I running away because I'm afraid of ending up like mom and dad in their divorce? (laughs) You know, really take time to see if you are authentically embodying your highest self, you. Mm. Because then from there, the courage is there. And if it's just just like it was for you, Bryn, if you're supposed to exit, then you will exit. So true. There was, so, there was enough foundation there. There was enough rooted in like your deep knowing of what's true for you that you were able to do that. Yeah. So those people that are contemplating, put it on the back burner. It's not the next step. The no. next step is more discovery of you. If you're trying to save your relationship, get out of that space, meaning think of yourself as a garden, your partner as a garden. And then when you came together, you created this third garden. Mm. But the only thing you could bring to that relationship garden is whatever is in yours and in his. (laughs) And so if you're having struggles in your relationship, step out of that garden. And go back to your own, go tend to your own stuff so that what you could bring to that relationship is more of the, the, the flowers <laughs> and, and, and the, the, the vegetables and the fruits and whatever, more of the beauty than the weeds. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I always say that to clients is you're coming to work with me because we're going to look at where you can take personal responsibility because that's all you ultimately have control over right? Not what your, how your partner shows up, not what's going to happen in the future of just where can you own your stuff, your garden. And so, uh, this show was so full. It was so packed with tangible tools. Like that's what I just loved is you're so full of wisdom, but you, you help to mm, like condense it into these bite-sized packages and metaphors and step-by-step so that it makes healing seem possible and doable and like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I can follow these steps to help safety and I can follow these steps to hold space for my partner. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your magic with us. Um, and I'd love to check in. Is there any last thing that you'd love to leave our listeners with? Mm, Remember you're human and you're always ever evolving and to just be kind and loving and patient with all parts of yourself as you're on this journey of constant opportunity to reinvent and transform yourself so kindness patience um and extra (laughs) self-care yes 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 and the unexpected gift is when you do all of that for yourself you usually do it so much easier for others when you can accept you all of you it makes accepting another person and all parts of them so much easier. So, and ladies, we've done a, we've done a poll on this guys find most attractive is a woman that loves all 
parts of herself that Mm -hmm. is more attractive to them than your outfit, your hair, your makeup. I mean, let's face it. We do all this more for ourselves and our ladies. The guys don't really care about that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's your energy. It's you loving all that stuff. Mm, So, so good. Where can our listeners find you if they'd love to learn more? Um, well, if they would love to learn more about my offerings, they can go to trainingcampforthesoul.com. They want to connect with me, DM me in, in Instagram. So anat.perry. Um, I reach out to every new follower. I want to get to know you. So I'll send you a DM. Feel free to message me in there. We'll gladly have conversations. Love. Thank you for your magic. Thank you for being the light for our listeners and in my life and for truly just being the catalyst for my entire world changing for the better. I love you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.